If there's anything better than getting a few of your favorite things from McDonald's, it's getting a few of your favorite things from McDonald's for less in the McDonald's app. Mm. Delicious. Order in the McDonald's app today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right now, only in the app. Enjoy a breakfast sandwich for just $1, like a sausage McMuffin with egg. Offer valid one time per day from 429 to 512 at participating McDonald's. Must opt into rewards. Well, Renee, here we are. This is the Memorial Day episode that we are taping uh, many days before Memorial Day uh, so that we can get it out. Uh, what has surprised you? What are your thoughts on a take line at the Memorial Day break in its life cycle? <laughs> um, I would say what surprised me is people's interest in take survivor. It surprised <laughs> me and it's also made me so warm and fuzzy on the inside because I'm a competitive person. Yes, if you, you guys are. didn't get that. And these are mind games, fun games, but I love how everybody's responded to that game aspect and the democracy of it, which we still don't know if we've achieved yet, but I, I digress. What are you, what about you, Jason? I, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up. We've tweaked Take Survivor. We, of course, are always listening to uh, audience concerns about whether or not Take Survivor is rigged and how rigged it might be. There were absolutely some structural issues that we needed to work out. We've uh, we've increased the voting pool. The number of people that can vote is now increased by uh, some eighty percent. I don't know if that percentage is right. I'm oh. just I'm just doing that off the off Back the checkers. dome. Um, but I think that it's I think that that's helped or at least made it more unpredictable. Caroline the other day was <laughs> in the chat immediately after voting, saying I. I lament my vote. She like regretted the vote she made. Oh my god! So I mean, I still haven't voted for a guest, by the way. So I just don't know. I feel uncomfortable. The hospitality in yeah, me doesn't feel right voting for a guest. I, 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 I still haven't yet. I understand. I understand. I I'm lucky that I don't get to vote. I I actually feel great about not voting because it's some. It, and there yeah. are times when it's not been easy. But it's uh, a fun game. I'm glad that people are enjoying it. The fact that people are even arguing about whether it's rigged is a good sign. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's what I love the most. Like, they're invested yeah. a little bit. But speaking of our our guests, who's been your favorite interviewee so far? Like, who's oh came on and just, you know, you've really enjoyed the conversation? I mean, Jeremy Lin was the first one, so that's an easy. But it was just the right time to have him um, with... Yeah the violence against Asians that were going on in the country at that time are still kind of uh, bubbling around. It's still, of course, an issue. Um, but it was the perfect time to have him uh, speaking on that issue, just talking about his career and the things he's dealt with over the course of his career, uh, the ways that uh, the team he, around him has uh, managed those issues. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, he's a person that I've really admired uh, throughout his career. So it's been, it, it was really great to talk to him. What about you? Yeah, no, I agree about Jeremy Lin, but I would say for me, it was Kid Miro. Like, I that loved how just con like content creators wise, typically, you know, you have mm -hmm. a style and then if it blows up amazing and then you might go mainstream, you might change that style a little bit to fit mainstream. That's just how it usually works. But I love how he's maintained his same style, his same delivery. He even wrote a book and talked about, you know, like I wrote it in my voice because yeah. that's just how I do. But I love that aspect of 
he was a content creator that blew up on Showtime and he just remained him. So that was that yeah, was one of the ones that I, I really enjoyed. I think that that is that's such a great point because it's really the the secret sauce of so much of this kind of like media entertainment content creation yeah. is can you harness a voice? I mean there's a mi- there's a million steps along the way of uh, Desis and Mero's career and their show where people could have been, okay, like tone it down. And instead they, they just allowed them to be themselves. Like that is what makes their show successful. And it's, I, th- I you know, I think it's a good, it's a good compass uh, for a philosophy on how to create stuff. You, you build the framework right around your, yep. who your talent is around their interests and the things they like to do you don't take a person and put them into a frame that you've already created. You try to let them shine within a frame that's designed to highlight their uh, particular voice. Um, And then, I mean, it's crazy because you're talking about content creation space, but in sports, it's the same way. If you get a player like Trey young, what are you going to do? You're going to build a system around Trey young or Kobe Bryant Mm -hmm. or LeBron James. And so if it should be the same in that same content creation world, because what makes them special is what you need to keep amplifying, spotlighting, highlighting. So yeah, like I, I, I love all of that. Uh, you know, this is maybe feels like a, a swerve, but because you brought it up with, uh, with Trey and like context and like the framework that you put talent in, one of the things I've really been thinking about this basketball season with like the emergence of Julius Randle, um, Trey to a certain extent altering his game and 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 taking a leap is how much coaches front office context can really make a difference you know it's like sometimes you put a person in the right environment where all of a sudden they have that support and they and they shine um yeah it's it's just so easy to be like oh this player sucks they're a bust you know they're not they're not developing sometimes players need need that extra whatever it is you know uh, well you see it sometimes when a player may not have been very good on one team they right. get traded go to another team with a whole new system and what happens that player thrives that player excels because they needed certain things around them certain skills around them that help bring out their skills you know if you're a slasher and you're on a team with no shooters yeah, you never be, be able to slash very well because there's not going to be no one helping off they're all going to be in the lane i mean they're all going to be helping off in the lane so yeah no it's it's that does matter yeah it's 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 really important and all of which is to say you know allow people to be themselves hopefully uh, and and allow them to shine uh, back to take survivor what's been your favorite take survivor answer that that you have given or that anybody has given Oh, man. Take Survivor is my fave, as I'm sure everyone knows. Um, Man, I think I would I'm going to actually do a category when we did the one where it was. Was it the pep talk you would give to um, Alex Rodriguez? A-Rod. What was the pep talk (laughs) you would give to A-Rod? About J Lo, I love the whole round. I love Caroline's answers. I love Key Miro's answers. Like I just love the whole energy for that one all together. So that I would say that's my favorite question. I know you asked what was the favorite answer, but that's my favorite question. Uh, what's your favorite answer? Gosh, I don't know if I can pick a favorite answer because when I'm hosting it, I'm just I really love all the answers, uh, and I'm just trying to <laughs> think quickly on my feet about quips for each answer. 
So I'm going to say, uh, I guess my favorite, I'm going to go with my favorite guest. Mira was good. Mira was a great guest. Big I'm, I'm going to say Adam McKay is a Take Survivor uh, player. Uh, just because I didn't expect. I'm so mad I missed Adam. I, 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 I just didn't expect him to want to play. And then he was so delightful in the, in just how much energy he gave to the, to the game. And then Mira was great. Mira was so funny. It's like, he's just one of those. It was like, the energy was there. The energy is there. You know, it's like, I have a lot of friends that are, um, stand-up comics. And there's like a, there's a kind of comedian who before they even tell a joke they come out and for whatever reason people are just laughing you know it's like they just do things with an energy that are funny and Miro has whatever that version of that is you know that energy before they even say anything that's like a comment or anything about anything you're just leaning forward because you just want to 100 you want the funny it's like give give it to me the funny Give it to me. And they and just so people can get an idea, too, of just some of the questions and answers that were given throughout time. So one of the questions was, what's the most underrated sports injury? Gallagher said constipation. When we asked, give us your best Kentucky Derby horse name, Adam McKay said, I, your announcer, have a serious drinking problem and I need immediate help. When we asked, what is the worst D1 mascot? I, you know what? I feel bad about this. I said the Delta State fighting okras, and those are very nice people. They've sent me a T-shirt. They were great they about it. Me. That created that created a whole conversation. That answer. It created a whole conversation, <laughs> but I didn't want them to be the punching bag. It was just okra. Just I don't see as like intimidating in the sports <laughs> world. That's all. Give me your best name for the Washington football team, and basically your best mascot name. Miro said packages. Hilarious. What can we do to fix baseball? Elijah said legalize LSD. <laughs> there was just, it just went on and on. I mean, who was the best fictional I, basketball character? I said Aaron I Carter mean, because I, 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 I swear that. that he's telling you the facts. I, lo- <laughs> I love that. Let me just quickly read the lyrics to Aaron Carter's classic, That's How I Beat Shaq. <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> You guys check it out. Guess what happened to me? Another crazy story. Come on, AC. I was hanging at the court, just playing some ball, working on my game. Yeah, we heard it all. I heard the fans scream. I thought it was for me. But then I saw a shadow. It was 12 foot three. It was Shaquille O'Neal. What? What did he say? How about some one-on-one? You want to play? I told him, why not? I got some time. But when I beat you real bad, try not to cry. Please, Aaron, are you for real? One-on-one Shaquille O'Neal? Yeah, 34 center for the LA Lakers. You must have been nervous. I knew I could take him. Scared of Shaq? Psych him out. I said, O'Neal, you're in my house now. Start the game. The whistle blows. Pay attention close, guys. The story goes. And then he proceeds to tell us the exact story about how Aaron Carter beat Shaquille O'Neal. An absolute I swear classic. that I'm telling you the facts. Because <laughs> this is how I beat Shaq. Yeah, so we had some some moments there. Who should form a new Super League? Women. Hello. Mm. No brainer. Easy choice. Um, Yeah, we had some fun times on Take Survivor. And I will say, because you mentioned it, you do an amazing job hosting I and throwing that. in little tidbits and little pieces there. Put it together. Things I might not have known because y'all go Marvel DC yeah. on me sometimes. So, yes. I appreciate Love that. Your hosting. Let me ask you, what is your what is your relationship with the with how I beat Shaq? That's how I beat Shaq the song. What made you think about it? You know, I had to think of 
Like, how do you determine who's the best? And I'm like, all right, who did they beat in the movie? You know, even in Space Jam, I almost was thinking like Monstars for a second because they beat that group. But then at the end, you know, but I'm like, "Ah, no, I don't really want the villains. And then I'm like, oh, snap, Aaron Carter beat Shaq. And I knew that was the answer because no one can argue about his G6 classification to kill O'Neal. So, listen, I knew it was a winner when I thought of it. Um, <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Back to the to the the kind of like the philosophy behind the podcast. As we go forward, what are you what are you hoping to cover? And and like, why is why is Take Line? Why is it the right podcast for people right now? Let's just sell ourselves to people. Yeah. So I think the interesting part about this podcast is that we tackle serious conversations, but it doesn't feel heavy. Yeah. You know, as we go through these topics, as we talk about these things, we find a way to bring a lightness to it, even though the topic isn't light. We find ways to deliver, you know, news that needs to be heard, but not that it's we're not condemning other groups. We're not, we're just bringing news and sports mm. right here, you know, at the forefront. So even the Jeremy Lynn conversation, you know, it was at, you talked about it, the right time. So we had the right conversation at the right time, but it didn't feel as if we were attacking anyone or we were trying to make anyone feel bad. We just wanted people to understand this is a reality. Yeah. You know, it may not be your reality, but it's a reality. What about you? It's just fun to talk about sports and I think it's important to talk about all the things that that uh, play into it. Sports is a reflection of society. Society is not perfect. Society is extremely uh, messed up and unequal and unjust sometimes. And sports are as well. Uh, and, you know, sports is a microcosm of all those different issues. And And I just love being able to talk about the games, talk about who won and lost, talk about why they won and lost. Uh get get razzed on for being a Knicks fan, uh, celebrate when they win. And then, but also talk about all these other uh, issues that are, that are really important, I think. And, and that are, that are part of this, part of this broader conversation. Um, they should be part of like the core conversation, that. not just the broader conversation. Um, I love that. And so speaking of conversations, who's someone that you would want on the show? Like if you had a wish oh list gosh. of someone to be on the show, who would it be? Since I'm in a Nick state of mind, Spike, let's get Spike Lee. I'd love to talk to Spike Lee, Ooh. pioneering filmmaker, one of the most important filmmakers of the last 40 years, easily. Absolutely. Huge Knicks fan, obviously. I get so mad. I, nobody, Spike has made me so mad over the years with all his Knicks stuff. Why? Because when I was a little kid and he and he fired up Reggie Miller and then Ry- Reggie Miller scored... <laughs> Uh, eight points in in nine seconds, like yeah. or whatever it was. I I legitimately blamed Spike. I mean, like the media, <laughs> the media blamed him too. Like he was on the back page of all the papers, being like Spike Lee. He how talked are you going to blame a fan? That's how it is for you know going off is. on a star. <laughs> you know of the opposite, the opposing team, and if the star goes off, y'all blame the fan. Well, I think you know what the thing is. Like at that time, there was no template for this kind of that kind of celebrity fan that's kind of yeah. super fan you know because it's like jack nicholson was the lakers super fan but he just sat there and clapped and he'd stand up sometimes yeah. and then but it was it was nothing spike was like john at people <laughs> he was like a foot on the court 
John at Mike Michael Jordan and, and, with a towel around his with a with a Knicks towel around his neck. John at people, and it was just different. And I remember just being like, "Oh my god, I this is why Reggie Miller did this." And so when I saw him uh, dap up Trey Young, it brought all those feelings immediately back to the <laughs> to the surface. I was like, "Here, it's going to happen again." You just know Trey's going to kill us, and then and the gardens be going crazy. And Trey Young is that exact type of player who is going to get amped up by it. And here we go again. And it's not fair. And I joke Knicks about it now. Feel, but. I feel a little hurt inside of Knicks fans. I don't know. It's just like <laughs> that sounded like how PTSD works, where one event makes you flash back to a time you didn't enjoy. So Knicks fans, I hope y'all get better. You know, get well soon. <laughs> Goodness. Um, yeah, that was, that was what, this is a question I always wanted to ask you when, uh, in your basketball career, when did you know you were good? When did you know you were like, <laughs> when did you know you were good enough, uh, to play at elite levels? I would say those AAU days around 12 or 13, I would, like by 14, we had a lot of college coaches sitting at our games, mm. you know, it was like the who's who's of college basketball. They were at our games. You know, I had a teammate who was really good. She was the number one player at a certain time. Candace Parker was my teammate in AAU at a certain wow. point. So we had a pretty, we had a pretty solid team. And so you can imagine that college coaches were just showing up to our games. They wanted to see what we could do. They went there to see Candace. They went there to see Alexis. And sometimes they accidentally saw me. <laughs> um, but I just, I knew at that point, like they're like that we could we could do something and not and not just me. I meant at that point none of us had a college scholarship mm-hmm. and we kinda all knew we were on our way to get one. Well, that's so cool. Is there like a tra- like a moment where just against people like that were in your peer group where you're like, Oh, I'm just like better than everybody. I'm better than the people <laughs> that are around me right now. Like it's crazy because I never really cared about being better than the people that were around me because I felt like I was in West Virginia mm-hmm. and that people didn't respect it. So right. I could score like 100 and I don't think people would have cared. That's but crazy. if I scored 100 and I was playing in New York or I was playing in California, yeah. I think it would have been a different 100. So I used to always like I, I never really cared if I was like the best in my area. Because it was just like, I don't think people respected West Virginia enough to be like, oh, she's killing it in West Virginia. You know, like no one's saying that. So to me, it was more so about like, I got to get a lot better because I don't know what it's like in New York. Like I don't know what kind of competition they have in New York. When you started to get recruited, when you started to see those coaches, when Gino came around, like what was that like? What was that feeling? Um, That was crazy because you got to think it's like you're young and there's these grown adults that are like, Hey, we want you to come to our school. You don't know anything about their school. You don't know anything about them. You know, you don't know anything about the area. Yeah. You know, there's a schools all over the nation. And so it's like, okay, what's going on? Like, you know, but you're excited because that's what I work for. So um, it was crazy, though, for Coach Ariema to be in West Virginia because, you know, he flew in. I'm pretty sure he flew in on his private jet, of course. And <laughs> wow. We have like four whole terminals at Jaeger Airport. It's like A1, B1, A2, B2. That's it. So when you think about these celebrities and these big name coaches that have jets coming into West Virginia, that's when that's when it was like a whoa moment. And when he was sitting on our couch, like in West Virginia, I was looking at Snooker Booker and Diddy like, goodness, <laughs> this is crazy to have Coach Oriyama in here. So it's 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 a it's kind of an unreal experience. 
But you've had an unreal experience as well. You've won an Emmy. Yes. You know, you've reached that level of success that most people will never reach. What was that like for something that you just created out of your brain? Uh, it was, it was, it's, it's actually surreal when I let myself think about it. I, I try not to think about it too much. Winning the Emmy was crazy because it was like, you're just doing what you do. Uh, it was unclear to me that people were paying attention to it. And so at the time when it happened, it felt really good, but it didn't feel like anything had changed. But people within the industry, um, Eric Rideholm, who is the producer of, a bunch of shows at ESPN, including um, Around the Horn, High Noon, uh, Pardon the Interruption. He was like, oh, th- this is great for you guys because I'm, I'm speaking of uh, myself and uh, co-creator Jason Gallagher of the show we created. Um, this is great because people will take you seriously now, and which I didn't c- quite understand at the time. But then it, then you realize it's like you walk into rooms and when people are like, oh, Emmy winner, blah, blah, blah. You don't feel any. Yeah, that's a flex, yeah, Jason. You yeah, you walk in a room and well, they're you like, don't feel Emmy any different. winner, Jason. Well, it's like, you know, you don't feel any different, but people look at you different because they think, oh, this is a person who is legitimized in this industry, you know? And sometimes it just takes that. So do that you little- feel like, is it a validation there? Like, you know, like you don't feel any different. You knew, like, I'm sure you knew the work that you were putting out, the content you were putting out, when you were putting it out, you knew it was good. Like, you know, I think you knew in your heart of hearts it was good. But when you get an Emmy, when you get that type of recognition, does that give you validation? I mean, it feels good. Yeah, for sure. It feels good. You know, it's like, I feel like for me, the way I've always approached everything is I try to make everything that I do the best that it can be. I put much work into it and thought into it as I can, uh, as much creativity as I can. But if people are going to like it or not like it, it's basically that's out of my hands. Like I, yeah. I make it and I let it go. And then hopefully like the people that I'm working with, whose job it is to promote it, know how to promote it. And hopefully <laughs> that, you know, that all the machinery works. Um, but I can't control if people like it or don't like it. So I just try to. Dis- but that's what makes this industry so tricky. Yeah, and that's really what tricky. I mean by. Well, because even if you hear artists, sometimes when they put out their music, they're like content with whatever happens. It's yeah. like if I win, if I win an award for it or not, if it goes platinum or not, like I know this is a good album. Like, you know, they start having that energy. So, you know, you're in that creative artist space. So I always it's interesting because sports is different. We have measurable right. stats right. and statistics. And if you're good, you're good. You're not, you're not. So, you know, this is that's a different type of world. I mean, we have, you know, we have measurables, too. It's like uh, I, I'll never forget. Eric Rideholm told me something that I think is really important. He's like, then I was like, what, you know, how do you produce a show? I I, I, I like to pick his brain whenever he has time. And uh, he told me, you know, before creativity, before you're trying to mold something around the talent, before any of that. He's like, I got to be successful because nothing else happens unless all the other, unless that happens. Um, and that was, so that's a big marker. You know, it's like, I want people yeah. to, to, to hear this stuff, but I also know like, I can't, there's a, there's, I have to just make it and hope that all the other pieces fall in place. Like I'll, I'll promote it on my social, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, the one thing that I can 100% control is making the stuff as good as I can. And after that, yeah, you know, it, it's... That's what I say about me. I can control my energy. Yep. I can control 
you know, what I give to a project, we can never control. So you like it, but we hope you like us. Yeah. You always <laughs> like it. Well, Renee, uh, it's been a great run. We'll continue running. It's been so fun, and we'll continue doing it. Stick around, because we're also going to talk to WNBA champion Devereaux Peters, who's involved in stopping gun violence. Don't miss that conversation. This is your last chance to enter the Ohio Lottery's Fun Turns 50 promotion. Score $3,500 and two tickets to the epic party at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where you could win part of another $400,000 in cash prizes. Enter the new 50th anniversary scratch-off or $50 worth of eligible non-winning $5 or $10 scratch-offs and My Lotto Rewards through the Ohio Lottery app. Hurry up. The last entry deadline is May 13th. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Your home is your place of peace. It's clean. It's welcoming. <sighs> and it's definitely not crawling with invading insects if you use Ortho Home Defense Max. Use it indoors on non-porous surfaces to treat and prevent cockroaches, spiders, and ants for up to 12 months. So your home can stay your place of peace, your work-from-home office, and your family's headquarters. Kill bugs inside, keep bugs outside, and love your home. Visit ortho.com for more. Okay, so Jason and I both have been saying many times on this podcast that we started this podcast to talk about issues both in and out of sports arenas. And so I'm super proud to have this guest on because she's used her platform to promote positive social change. And we want to chip together in 2015 for the <laughs> Devereaux Peters, what up with you? What's up? Okay, so listen, in the intro, I mentioned the positive social change that you're trying to make because you're here to talk about National Gun Violence Awareness Day. So tell our listeners, basically, why, how did you get involved? Um, so in 2013, um, my second year with the Lynx, my cousin was murdered um, in Baltimore, Maryland. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time um, and ended up being killed. And um, at the time it was something I kind of dealt with on my own. Um, I had to figure out, obviously I was still playing. So I was in the midst of that, but, um, I left and went, you know, to his funeral and stayed out there for like, I believe like a week or so, um, spent time with my family. But when I came back, I went back and kind of like basketball mm -hmm. mode and kind of just put it away and didn't really deal with it. Um, so flash forward a couple years later, um, you know, we're, we're starting to see a lot more discussions about gun violence and how we can change things. And I really got to a point where um, I got tired of watching things transpire on TV and seeing all these things happening and not really be feeling like I was doing anything about it. <clears throat> um, and so I decided I wanted to get more involved and ended up getting connected with Every Town for Gun Safety. Um, and kind of the rest is history, been able to do a ton of work with them. Um, about making people more aware about gun violence, how we can prevent it, um, the steps that you can take, get the legislation that we need in place and all. And, you know, in the process, learning on my own um, and figuring all of that out, as well as um, really being able to help me deal with my own trauma and the stuff that I hadn't really dealt with at the time. So that's kind of how I got started in it. Gun violence is such an intractable problem, seemingly, in our country. and 
and yet it's something that is so obviously broken and wrong. What are what are some of those things that uh, we could put in place via legislation or otherwise to to help stem the tide of 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 this terrible violence? Yeah. So you know, like you said, gun violence is something that we see every day. Um, you, you can, you know, read off the stats. There's like a uh, hundred people being killed, yeah. Americans being killed every day. Um, and that's not including those that are just shot and wounded. There's, um, you know, this is affecting the black communities and the brown communities even more, um, to the point where, you know, black people are three times more likely to be shot by police or, you know, 68% of black and brown people have been affected by gun violence in some way, whether it's them themselves or somebody they care about. Um, so we see it, you know, constantly and sometimes it gets, um, pushed off, especially I'm from Chicago. So especially here, uh, a lot of people like to view it as uh, gang violence and that's it. And they don't want to, so, you know, that's just gang violence. That's not something we need to worry about because they need to figure that out on their own. Um, but it's so much deeper than that. You know, there is gang violence. Um, but you know, there are a lot of systemic issues that gang violence stem from, you know, lack of opportunities, lack of good housing. There's a lot of stuff that goes into why there are gangs and there feel the need to go there. Right. But then there's also domestic violence. There's also, um, there's also accidental shootings where, you know, your gun wasn't being stored properly. Suicides are uh, their top is going to be suicide. So these are all things that we're addressing when we're talking about gun violence. Right. Um, so the policies that we really are pushing right now that are most important is going to be number one, um, background checks on all gun sales. That means that right now, if you're selling privately, you don't have to do a background check. That means that people are able to buy guns from private sellers and not have any check done on who they are, why they're buying for it. They had any issues in the past. Um, and that's a problem. That's that's a major problem. So number one, background checks on 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 all gun sales. But then also, um, we're really pushing right now the George Floyd Justice Justice and Policing Act. That's something we're pushing very strongly. Um, that's effectively going to put a ban on chokeholds. Um, there are other provisions that are going to uh, address a ban on um, no not warrants um, for drug charges. Um, and a lot of the things that we've been seeing um, in a lot of these causes that we're pushing as of late. Um, so that's definitely something that we're pushing legislation on. That's something you should definitely contact your senators about. That's something easy, easy call um, or a letter that you can make um, if you really want to contribute in that way. Absolutely. Contact your senators. Now, what's the meaning of wear orange and how is the WMBPA involved? Because as I know, you know, I've been wearing orange every time you tell me to wear orange, <laughs> I'm wearing orange. <laughs> So Wear Orange actually started in Chicago. Um, It was a young girl named Hadia Pendleton who was shot and killed. She was 15 years old in 2013. Um, She had just performed at Obama's second inauguration. um, And a couple of weeks later, she was killed. Um, And then a group of her friends wanting to honor her um, and really start the process of bringing more awareness um, decided to come together and they chose orange because that's the color that hunters wear when they're out hunting to show that they're not the target. Um, and so they use that as a connection, um, and started that movement. And it's really just blown up at the time. Um, you know, they kind of went viral and it went worldwide and they've just been able to hang on to it from there. Every town has been able to, push it even more into the sports world, entertainment industry, and really 
um, reach a larger audience. And then we started um, about a year or two ago, the um, Every Time for Gun Safety Athletic Council, um, which I was one of the founding members of. And we have a bunch of different athletes that are looking to do more to um, teach about gun violence prevention and, and gun violence awareness. And um, so when I joined, obviously, we wanted to get connected to the W. Um, obviously, with all that the W has done thus far, um, and even before it was really talked about, we understood that that was just a natural connection to make there um, and got connected with the uh WMBPA, and it's been up from there. Definitely excited for this year's. Um, it's going to fall on June 4th week again. Um, so definitely everybody, um, if you want to be involved, put on your orange, post about it, hashtag wear orange. You can tag Agritown. You can tag me in it. I'm excited to see everybody um, get involved. And also one thing that I'm really excited for this year. So last year when we did it, um, Obviously, we get the players out the shirts and they were able to make that push on social media. Um, and a lot of other people and fans wanted to be involved. So this year we got it. We're able to partner with Dick Sporting Goods. So the nice. wear orange shirt will be sold. If you want the ones that specifically the players have been wearing, those will be sold on the Dick Sporting Goods site. Um, and you can purchase those to wear. So I'm really excited for this year. That's a dope partnership. You know, Dick's has been doing a whole lot. Yeah. Um, as of late. So really appreciate that. Like Dick Sporting Goods, we love to see it. We really <laughs> do. And we love to see the support. Hashtag wear orange, everyone. And you talked about things looking up this year. And how have you seen, like, what surprised you the most about since the WNBA, where we came in mm -hmm. and where it is now? Because there's been some large growths over the years now. Yeah. I mean, I think that especially with this last CBA, it's been huge strides. I, I mean, for me, I think what's been most important is the involvement from the players. Cause we know like going through a lot of those negotiations, we have like two or three um, since I, I mean, I, even I yeah. had been in the league, we had two or three <laughs> in that short span. Um, and it wasn't a lot of engagement. And I think that's why we weren't able to push um, the envelope that far. Yeah. Um, but this last round, you know, everybody was involved. Everybody was speaking out. Um, I felt there was a lot more connectivity in, in their organization there. Um, and the players really are involved and they want to see change and they're, they're making it. And I mean, uh, outside of just the money itself, you, you see it. You're seeing the push. You're seeing people. Um, the fans want more. The players are pushing for more and they're starting to get it. You know, we're starting to get yeah. put in, in on regular normal channels and not just I literally <laughs> like turn on a WBA game that... every night on TV that is great right. <laughs> it's awesome and then you see the growth in the numbers as well and it's yeah. like wow imagine that if you put us somewhere where people can view us the numbers will grow <laughs> imagine <laughs> if you put the sport on TV people will watch it what a concept okay so before we let you go I have to ask you something maybe we have to reveal something so we played together on that 2015 championship team for the Minnesota Lynx. Now, I know that there was no competition, but let's reveal who was the best dancer on that roster. Who? <laughs> oh, my God. Who was the best dancer now? Wow. Uh, okay, that's really hard. Oh, my gosh. How is this hard? I feel like it's going to be because between you, it's going to be between you and Mo. Oh, Come wow. On, like, so wait know, a minute. I was thinking it was no question. It was Simone. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I really enjoy your, 
obviously we have Simone's pregame, but I really enjoyed your bench dancing. Okay. Too, so. <laughs> Listen, see, I didn't know that was going to be the answer. Part. I was going to say, people don't know that Moan can really cut a oh, rug. Yeah. Throw down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, all right. So listen, I just I just thought we would reveal that. But again, for our listeners, National Gun Violence Awareness Day is June 5th. So if you want to get involved, use the hashtag WearOrange or purchase the W Wears Orange t-shirts available at Dick Sporting Goods. Devereaux, thank you for coming in and joining us on Take Line and also what you're doing to try to change things. Thank you, Renee. Really excited to have you. But it's fun to be on the other side of this this time. <laughs> you're Okay, so uh, for those of you who don't follow golf on here, uh, that would include myself. This past week, there was uh, a feud that bubbled into the sports consciousness between Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau. Brooks was being interviewed. Bryson walked through the background. Brooks rolled his eyes in a very dramatic manner, and that all of a sudden went viral. I had no idea what was going on, uh, so I called... Uh, the number one golf fan that I know, my mom, to break it all down for me. And all of us. Let's listen. Mom, uh, this week, this past week, uh, a video of Brooks Kepka rolling his eyes at Bryson DeChambeau as Bryson walked I love back. it. Ha, uh, went viral on the internet and a lot of people maybe who aren't plugged into golf don't know what's going on including myself what 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 happened why are they this fighting been, this this has been going on since i believe okay when there was an issue about slow plus a slow pace and golf and one and everybody criticized the chamber this Tom Bro, uh, Bryson, okay, that he's slow, and one of them is he, uh, Brooks said it that he plays too slow, so long. yeah, yeah, too slow. And and because in golf, you they give you 40 seconds per shot, okay, okay, so it, I think it takes him sometimes 40 to him. 43 seconds, sometimes 50, you know, because he's so analytical. Everything is mapped for him. And I think it happens, I believe it happens because I know uh, the first, that was 2019 at the memorial, he was there with uh, Tiger Wood and and Justin Rose. Mm. And they were they were given, they were clocked, they were given, an, uh, an, you know, uh, that they were being put in the clock four, four times, I believe. Wow. Four times on the back nine. Because... And they were put, of, so they were put together, so they were, he was annoyed with him. Brooks was. Yeah. And, uh, and no, it, Brooks wasn't there. Oh. Uh, it was, he was there, uh, what is his name? is Brian Son was paired with Tiger Wood and Justin Rose. Okay. And Justin Rose and Tiger was making mistake because when somebody's slow and then they were put in a clock, you know, that that gives me, gives, it's harder for them. Okay. Um, 
And that was when, and then it happened, I think, again in Dubai. And the same thing. He was, uh, uh, he was put, Brunson was put again in a clock. And he was having an argument with the referee, right? He was in a golf cart and it was, you know, and it's been happening. And he is one of the slow on the new golfer, right? Very, very slow. So that started, and I think, and then when they were in another golf after this, this happened at the memorial, um, uh, they said that uh, Bronson approached the caddy of Brooke and said to the caddy of Brooke that if your boss has a problem, say it in my face. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So when when the cat when Brooke came in, the caddy told him. So Brooke right away uh, went to uh, the chamber, but they didn't say what happened, right? And then the worst thing is when 2020. I don't know which um, he made. He made. Uh, uh, he made a comment. Uh, Who uh, did Bryson? Bryson? Yeah, Bryson made a comment about the abs of. Um, his abs? Yes. And, you know, so he said... Wait, why? Why? Okay. He said, I have abs. This is what Brunson said. But Brooke doesn't have. So then, I think it's a Twitter. And so, and so a Brooke Twitter said, yeah, you were right. I'm short two, two, six pack. And then he... He put he posted his four majors. <laughs> his trophies. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So this has been going on for yeah. the longest time. You know what I mean? And he, he, he since two times two thousand and nineteen because of the slow pace. And then oh there was another one that Brooke didn't know that his mic was on or or not they don't have mic, but somebody, you know, was taping him. And there was there was an incident, I don't know where, that, uh, uh, what is this thing? Uh, Brunson saw a red ant on his ball, and he calls the, the guy for to check that he, if he can drop his ball. And, so, he- and so Brooke make a joke of it, and they heard it live and saying to Scotty, <laughs> wait a minute, there's an ant on my ball. You know, so, and it was just a joke, but everybody heard it in, in the golf channel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's been going on for a long time. It reminds me of really, you know, that Sergio used to egg Tiger Woods, that kind of thing. You know, like... But, Sergio is also very slow, and it's annoying. He used to grip his his uh, his uh, driver grip grip some, one time twenty two times. I counted it. I used to scream. He's so slow. And, so Bryson is then, like Sergio Garcia. He, he, well, Sergio, I think is worse. Oh, but, inter- right. Uh, inter- yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh huh. Brunson is like they actually time him. I think they did. He did on some in a short game. He is really short, not on on the driver. 
like when he, he tee off. But in short game, he's really short because he's, he's analytical. If you watch him, he it takes him all. He always asks how many miles, how many, uh, how far it is. He, he that kind of thing. He's too slow in short game. Okay. You know, and when, no, go ahead. And when he pat, forget it. It takes him so long. I think they clock in one time 43 and, and one time 50, 50 seconds. Wow. Yeah. It takes him too long because he's too analytical. What? You so know, they do they give what, do they give you a warning? What do they do? And give yeah, you a... they give you a warning. Oh. They clock you. They call him the yeah. what? They clock you. No, but what do they call him? Scientists. Oh, okay. <laughs> they call, because he's so analytical. You know, okay, he's the only one. His golf club are all the same measurement. Oh, wow. Yeah, because he's so analytical. Everything, he, he, you know, it's, it's, that's what they call him, scientist. Everything is math to him. Yeah. They call him scientists. Who do you, do you have a person that you support more in this feud? Who do you like more? Yeah, I like, because Brooke, Brooke is like, you know, you're there, you're playing golf. You, how long does it really, really, if you're a professional, okay, you tee off, you you know, you wait for your other group and, and how long really as a professional, it shouldn't take you that long. You were given 40 seconds per shot. <laughs> You know, you don't have to think and everything like that. You know what I mean? And, you know, Justin Rose is fast. Tiger Wood is like, he go, he tee off and that's it. And while Brunson, he walks fast, but he doesn't play fast. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. You know, it's, um, what is this thing? But golf needs it. Yeah, but the you rivalry, know? they need the rivalry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because it's boring you know some for some people it's boring but the thing that i worried about is on the writer cap how they gonna steve stricker how's he gonna do it he better have tiger wood there you know <laughs> because you know with what are they gonna do just wheel them out broken bright branson will be there i bet there will be both of them will be there for the writer cap where when is it july or august forget it and it would be in the U.S. Yeah. You know what I mean? Forget it. That'd be a problem. Those two will be fighting. And now that, you know, <laughs> you know, Bill have him with Roger Aaron and Tom Brady. Oh, I saw that. The, the meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Forget it. That, well, it's not too bad because there's no Brooke. And then he egg in. Egg Brooke again because Brooke was not on the match. <laughs> you called him. You called him Roger Aaron. Is Aaron yeah. Rogers? Oh, Aaron Rogers. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Aaron Rogers. Okay, so that's it. Anyway, it's that's how it is. Yeah, you know what fun. I mean. You know, and um, it's not as bad as. Sergio Garcia with Tiger. Yeah. Well, that was like racial you know? too, wasn't it? Uh, huh? Was that, well, that wasn't, wasn't that racial too? Sergio yeah. Garcia? Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Racial. 
you know, uh, and and everything is even. I remember I was there with the Open U.S. Open in Bethpage, yeah. raining, and he blamed the that oh, if Tiger Wood is, they're gonna postpone it and everything. He's a baby, you know. I <laughs> I don't like him at all. You know, surgery is worse. You know what I mean? I don't like him at all. He's such a baby. Yeah. But I think he just won one master. That was it. Yeah. You know, so. At that time when Brooke said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm short two, two six packs, and he already won four major, yeah. while Bryson didn't have won anything. Wow. Yeah, so you can't, you know, you can't egg somebody, and you can't really show that you're good. You yeah. know what I mean? You haven't won anything. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's it. But I, I love it when he rolls. Roy's eyes, they forgot, you know, he forgot everything. He forgot the interview, what he was saying. I, I said, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think Branson really clicked his goal. You, click, you can hear it, you know, uh, uh, click, click, click. <laughs> Some people were passing, it didn't click, and I think he intentionally clicked, click his goal. <laughs> But it's so funny. I love it when he rolls his eyes. You know what I mean? So that was it. But that's, you know, golf needs it. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know. Well, thanks, Mom. Really appreciate it. Love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Okay, okay, so you know what that sound means, but on this episode, we're shaking things up this week. Today's buzzer beater comes to us from Alex Nelson, a fan of the show, and he asks, what's the best sports movie of all time? Jason, what's up? Um, Okay, so I took this to mean we could not do like a multi-part documentary, but I I still want to do a self-contained documentary, so I'm going to say Hoop Dreams. Um, with an honorable mention to A League of Their Own and White Man Can Jump, two movies that I just absolutely love that I think are so funny and combine sports and comedy in a way that is just magnetic. But Hoop Dreams, I, there was no, like nothing like Hoop Dreams when I first saw it. About It's a documentary about um, two Chicago-area basketball players, William Gates, Arthur A.G., their dreams of uh, getting to the NBA, playing for various high schools uh, in chi- the Chicago area, dealing with injuries, with various obstacles in their life, with the na- their neighborhoods, with the people around them. And it just, um, it's, it's a movie that I think about still. I, I, it's one of the most incredible uses of the documentary format. The filmmakers followed these uh, two young men for years. Um, catching the arc of their careers and their personal lives. And it is like, it's dramatic. It is heartbreaking. It's it's all that stuff. It's just an incredible, incredible movie. I haven't seen Hoop Dreams. And if you're a fan of sports, sports documentaries, watch Hoop Dreams. Rent it, buy it, watch it. It's great. What about Sold. you? Sold! <laughs> I would say for me, um, well, you already said, 
including your list, because those are all good yeah. ones. I would add to that um, Space Jam, first of all, and, and hear me out. When we were young, <laughs> that was out. like a whole, I knew yes. the whole soundtrack. Yes. Like we knew every lyric, every line. We watched the movie a hundred thousand times. Yes. Love and basketball was a movement Love and for women's basketball Love in basketball general. I remember seeing, you know, they had the sparks at the end yeah. and had real stars like Lisa Leslie in it. So, of course, of course. And then I would say he got game. You know, we're he talking about a Spike Lee. Wow. Um, I talked to Den- uh, I had a conversation with Ray Allen and and how it was to just be an athlete that someone plucks you out yeah. of the universe and was like, "Hey, I want you to act alongside Denzel Washington." I mean, what? So first of all, that's already crazy. But then the movie was dope. So no, the Yukon, yeah, it's funny. Those. It's I, I can't figure out why you would pick uh, a movie starring another Yukon guy. It's it's <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny. That's my guy too. Shouts to Ray. What up though? Um, yeah, like it's it's interesting because I asked him all about like how did that happen? Yeah. And he was like. Yo, I got an email saying Spike Lee wanted me to come audition. I'm like, have you ever even acted anything? He's like, no. I mean, I just went there. I started reading the lines. They told me to come back. Um, And then he, you know, he goes on to talk about like the whole process and even how at a certain point they were riding back in a limo and Denzel Washington was like, yeah, I'm gonna get out right here. And he just like starts walking because he likes to enjoy New York. And it was just like, what is this real life? Because why doesn't it ever happen to me when I'm in New York that I walk by Denzel Washington, man, just walking down the street. But yeah, I think the whole process of that movie is just as interesting because Ray Allen is not an actor. He was never planning on it, but he ended up being in one of the best sports movies of all time. I saw that Crazy. movie approximately 800 times because I was working in a movie theater <laughs> at that at that time when it came out. So I just I know every every second of that movie. So there's a famous let me ask you I'm always been uh, fascinated by this. This is a famous story that you know the final one-on-one basketball game between Ray Allen's character and his father played by Denzel. Uh Ray was supposed to win like 11 to nothing or whatever. But then Denzel started taking it to him and scored yeah, a bunch of points. Listen, what, what happened? Competitive. Yeah. That's what you call <laughs> Forget the script. Yeah, forget the script. <laughs> I love that. It's one of my favorite factoids. That was great. Well, that's it for us. Happy Memorial Day to everyone, to all our listeners. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. Yep. To- Take Line Show on YouTube for exclusive video clips from this episode, plus my digital series, All Caps NBA, which airs every Friday. Check it out! Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Carlton Gillespie and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Our contributing producers are Caroline Reston, Elijah Cohn, and Jason Gallagher. Engineering, editing, and sound design by Sarah Gibble-Laska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez.